Well, Lord, give you some illumination for the light party. Absolutely brilliant. Um, well, how many of you, you know, hearing Vicky Lee's in prayer this morning, how many of you reckon we live in uncertain times? You know, whoa, it's the strangest of times, isn't it? And um, our government definitely need our prayers, as well as the European uh, Parliament uh, and all those who are dealing with these things. Um, it's happening in nation at, at, at a national level, but I think it's also happening at church level. Across the nation, as I get the chance every now and again to, to meet with church leaders, there's something happening in our nation. And I've mentioned one or two of these things before. And I want to share some things this morning. We're, we're, we're moving, just having a week off from the wisdom theme. We're going to be picking that up next week. But I want to share some observations with you um, and some thoughts. I shared some of these with our staff uh, just recently. Um, let me start by saying this. How many of you love it when God speaks? We've had a few of these encounter evenings that he was referring to earlier, and uh, everyone's been a little bit different, and each one has had a different theme seems to come through, and God seems to be emphasizing uh, something on different evenings as we've gone through the last uh, 14 months or so of doing them. And um, a few months ago, we had one uh, that was uh, the real emphasis about a new sound coming. Anybody remember that? If you were here, Mike, you shared a word. I think Andy with some of the songs you were bringing, that sort of reinforced that. And also, uh, at a similar sort of time, we had a team from CSSM uh, visiting us, a prayer team, one Saturday. And one of the things they prophetically were sharing, they said, there's a new sound coming to this area. It's a new sound coming to and through the church. What does that mean? Huh. Well, I want to share some things this morning that I believe, um, and we'll root it in Scripture in a moment, that we've never been this way before. How many is up for an adventure? You say that. Hmm. Listen to the rest of the message. Um, there was a further prophetic emphasis on that day about, you know, often people think of Grimsby and Cleethorpes. It's the end of the line. You know, it's the end of the railway line. It's the end of the A180, M180 road system, you know. So, uh, but actually they were saying, no, God's reversing it. It's the beginning of the line. There's going to be stuff going from here, spreading out to the nation and the nations. People are going to come and see what is happening here. And it was fascinating. Two Sundays ago, just a fortnight ago, um, just before the service, I spotted two people here that I'd never seen before. They were sat over there in block five. And uh, I went to chat with them just before the start of the service and uh, said, good morning. Are you, uh, is this your first time? I haven't seen you before. And uh, they're Asian uh, people. Uh, the, there was an older guy and a lady who was probably in her late 20s. And the lady said, oh, he said, no, it's our first time. We're, we're just visiting the area. I've come to do an exam. In fact, I sat the exam yesterday at the hospital. I said, oh, right, okay. Uh, and she said, it's for radiology. I'm a, I'm a doctor. Sorry, not a radiology. I'm a doctor, and it was for um, registrar. Registrar. Um, so I said, okay. I said, how long are you here for? She said, oh, we're catching the train after the service. We're going back to London. And then tomorrow we fly back home. I said, where's home? Singapore. I said, well, when did you arrive? Two days ago. So you flew from Singapore to the UK, got a train to Grimsby, took an exam, and you're going home. She said, yes. Of all the places on all the planet you could come on to take an exam, 
to Kenna Grimsby. I thought it was fascinating. And I was sharing this with our staff. Ellen, come and share with us. Um, uh, a week last Tuesday, uh, just this little story as I've just done with you. And Ellen last weekend said, I think there's something prophetic in that. And so I wonder if you could just share that. Yeah, so David was saying that he felt this was significant. So when I got home, I looked up the word um, Singapore and I found out that it meant um, Lion City. And also um, in Singapore, they have another name um, for themselves, which is Little Red Dot. And that name actually came quite a number of years ago and it was actually um, an insult um, originally by the Indonesian government. They were saying that Singapore, you're just this little red dot, you're not significant. Um, we are so many million people, you're just a few million people, you, you know, you don't matter. But now they've actually turned that around and they actually use that name, little red dot, to mean actually we might be small, but we're significant. And um, the other week as well, um, I do this course, it's like a Bethel course, and one of the things that we were, we were practicing hearing from God, and it says in the Bible that God is, you know, he sings over us, he delights in us, he sings over us. And so those asking us, you know, ask God, what song is he singing over you? So I did this, and I felt that he was singing um, over me, this, the song, The Lion Sleeps Tonight, and it goes Mumbaway. And I looked up, what does that word Mumbaway mean? And it means stop lying. And I felt at the time I was struggling a bit with negative thoughts, and I felt that God was reminding me that Jesus was interceding for me. He prays, you know, he's interceding for us. And I just felt God reminded me that Jesus is the Lion of Judah. We say he's the Lamb. And he's the lion as well. He comes in power. He comes in majesty. And I believe that he's saying he wants, is announcing this new sound that he wants to turn around. The things that have been spoken over us as individuals that the enemy has brought against us. The things that the enemy has brought against the the area of Grimsby, that he wants to turn that around. We're not insignificant. We're significant to God. He delights in us. That is his sound. And he comes, he's roaring like that lion. He's bringing that and he's drowning out that sound sound of the, of the enemy. Thanks, Alan. So the new sound, there's a new sound. And I think there's a new era coming for the church. I don't mean a new season, because how many of you know seasons come and go? Right here, we're, on, you know, we're in autumn, and I think winter's on its way. <laughs> so I'm walking the dog last night, I came in, I said to him, I'm going to have to put my gloves on soon, it's getting cold out there. Winter's on its way. But the good news is, post-winter, spring, yeah. summer, yeah. And I know we can have four seasons in one day in the UK, but generally speaking, it does get warmer in the middle of the year, uh, and so that's fantastic. So seasons come and go, and it's a bit like that, I think, in church, sometimes you go through... It seems like things are just springing up, things are happening, and it's good. And then, yeah, summer season where everything, you're just cruising along. Then it starts to get a bit autumn, you think, ooh. And then it gets a bit of a winter. Am I just dreaming this, or is it me because I'm a church leader? Sometimes, you know, seasons, there's, good, there's, good, there's better seasons than others. I'll put it that way. 
Um, but I think there's more going on. If you've got your Bible, I want to turn to Joshua 3, a really well-known scripture for many of you, or passage that I want to read. Joshua 3, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, and uh, it's about the Israelites about to cross over the Jordan from that wilderness 40-year experience into what God had promised for them. And it says, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove. Doesn't that sound like a 1960s street? Acacia, it's just my imagination. Um, it's just by the by. And they arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Anybody up for some great wonders? Okay, two. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the ark of the covenant, lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the river, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And the priests will carry the Ark of the Lord of all the earth, and as soon as their feet touch the water, the, wa the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall." There's another in the fire. There's another in the water. Yeah. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And it was the season of harvest, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. And the water below that point flowed down into the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Wow! What a story. One of my favorite stories when I was a kid uh, in Sunday school. A brilliant story of God's intervention, God's leading, God's showing them, uh, God's people, how they can possess what God has got them, uh, got in store for them. But that verse 4, you have never been this way before. In the promised land, where these guys were going to step into, it was going to be very different to what they'd been experiencing over the last 40 years. Every day, six days a week at least, God provided food for the Israelites, manna, every day on the ground. You can go back and read it. And the children of Israel just went and collected their food on a daily basis. Wow. That was going to stop. 
They had supernatural provision of quail on one occasion. They had supernatural provision of water out of a rock on another occasion. They were led by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. All that was going to change. I mean, they were great things. They were miracles pretty much every day of their lives. And you and I, and we can hear stories and, and share stories one with another. We can look back over our lives, hopefully, and see God's miraculous hand in our life. But I believe God wants to do something more. And what God had in store for them was going to be different. Things that had become familiar would perhaps no longer be available. But God was going to do some new things. There were going to be new battles to face and new territory to take. Prior to this, they'd never taken any territory. But now they were going to be taking territory. And there was a growing, I think there's a growing sense of that with regard to the church in the UK. I think there's a new era for the church, not just a new season. I think it's something longer term going to be happening. Um, you know, and how church works and operates and does things may look different in the future. Oh, hang on a minute. You said, well, are we up for an adventure? Uh, yeah, this is where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? If God wants to do something a little bit different, wants to get us to work things a little bit different, some things that we have become familiar with, they may change. You've all gone very quiet now. <laughs> but how many of you know, you know, when we moved here two years ago into this building, somebody came to me very soon after we'd moved in. Our first Sunday worship was the 14th of November, 2017. And very soon after that, somebody came to me and said, doesn't it feel like home? Oh, no, it's gone really quiet because you wonder what to say. I am not prophesying anything specific, but I do sense that God wants us to lift our eyes up. See, I think there's something God is saying about the gathering and the going. I think it's important that we gather. It's important that we have places to come, worship together, share together, hear from God together, but then to be able to go. And I think there's going to be a new emphasis of that. And there'll be some new challenges ahead, some new territory to take. Um, we sang a song earlier, didn't we? I believe in you. Are we believing that God is going to be the one who's going to guide us um, and provide for us? It's very interesting. Uh, do you know, somebody stop the clock. Um, at the Revive Summit, if you were here a few weeks ago with uh, Jared Cooper and his team, Jared was sharing some things that I'd never heard before, but I've looked it up and one or two people are, are talking about this stuff. But he said it seems like every 500 years through church history, there's been a significant shift. Significant shift. Uh, so you get the birth of Jesus, brought in that new covenant, and then you get the emergence of the church through the apostles. And then 500 years or so later, the Roman Empire begins to collapse, and you get the spread of the Benedictine monasteries around Europe particularly. And it was a new way that the church was beginning to express itself. And then 500 years later, you get something called the Great Schism, which, um, 1054, which saw the separation between the Eastern Christian churches led by Patriarch of Constantinople, Michael 
Serralarius, I think that's how you say his name, and the Western Church, led by Pope Leo IX. So there was a schism in the church, and things emerged that were different. 500 years later, you get the Reformation, that we're perhaps a little bit more familiar with. Usually considered to have started probably with Martin Luther hitting a, a nail in his thesis onto Wittenberg Cathedral uh, door, and there were 95 points in this that he was challenging the Roman church effectively and um, what they believed and how they operated. And then in 1521, we have the, what they call the Edict of Worms, which was not those little wiggly things, but it's a city about 40 miles um, southeast of Frankfurt. And the Edict of Worms came out that said no one should associate with Luther. They should not. Uh, he's been um, branded a heretic. And there was a ban on the reading or possession of his writings. But I tell you what, that didn't stop the Reformation. A new thing began to emerge, particularly uh, in Europe again. Now, I don't want to build a theology on 500 years, but here we are 500 years later. Hmm? Let's not build a theology on it, I just think it's interesting. Each of those shifts in church history brought huge challenges for the church. It took some renewed thinking, some boldness, and some courage. And it needed wisdom to navigate the cultural changes. It's interesting, we've been looking at this uh, series on wisdom and Hugh did a whole thing on God's guidance. I think that's really, really important uh, that we tap into that because there's loads of ideas flying around across the church scene today and with the internet and with social media, it spreads far faster than it ever did before. Things are instant, aren't they? It goes like wildfire. And uh, so there's all sorts of things coming. But I do believe that um, we're potentially moving into a... I keep wanting to use the word season, but I don't think it is. It's era where God is going to be raising up loads and loads of people for his mission in this world. That in itself is A, very exciting, but B going to be interesting how that's worked out and a lot of people are referring again to the early church and the acts of the apostles and that's great fantastic principles we see there of things being worked out um, but a lot of that was spread through persecution as well and maybe there's some of that coming but of course back in the first century compared to where we are today how many of you know we live in a, a very different society where accountability and liability are key components of our culture today. Somebody's responsible. Somebody carries the can. Somebody will be held to account. Perhaps it was different back in the first century. I think we are going to need an incredible amount of wisdom here going forward as this shift continues to emerge. So I think there's a new sound, there's a new era, and we're going to need some new thinking. And it happened, didn't it, for the early church. Um, when the early church started to spread through that persecution, and now a whole host of people are coming to faith, Gentiles, not just the Jews. And that brought a whole challenge to this emerging church 
And in Acts chapter 15, verse 28, there was this whole pressure to make the Gentiles conform to a whole load of Jewish practices. But listen to this, verse 28 of Acts 15. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Who did it seem good to? The Holy Spirit and us. Not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements that you abstain from food, sacrifice to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. There was a whole shift. But the key there was it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I think we are going to need some Holy Spirit-led thinking of a, of a greater depth. And that is across the church. If you go back a couple of chapters, Acts 13, first three verses, it says there, the church in Antioch were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manian, and Saul. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them. So after they had prayed and fasted, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Holy Spirit thinking led to God-ordained action. We can puddle around with church or we can go into God-ordained action. Which camp would you like to be in? It's here in these transition periods where things are changing at a rapid pace in our world today, culturally, and it affects every one of our lives. It affects the church. Lord, in our day, in our generation, if there are to be some cultural shifts, would you renew our mind with Holy Spirit-led thinking that leads to God-ordained action? Let's just go back to the children of Israel on the banks of the Jordan River that is in flood. And it's interesting, just a little aside, Exodus 12, 40 tells us the Israelites were in Egypt 430 years and they've been in the wilderness 40. They're heading for a 500-year period. I just throw that in as a thought. The possibility now is that they can step into a new era, but it was going to need a new level of courage. In fact, in Joshua chapter 1, God tells Joshua on five occasions to be strong and courageous. At some points he says, be very courageous. Five times. How many think that if God's telling you to do something, it's important? If he tells you a couple of times, it's really important. When he says it five times, he's like, Joshua, wake up and smell the coffee. I have a feeling this whole sense of you've not been this way before, you're going to need some courage, some new courage. And there's going to be a call on us to be bold and very courageous. Um, as a family, we are going away for a few, a bit like Hughes just was away for a couple of days. Uh, we're going away on Wednesday of this week, myself and Anne-Marie and our kids and all the grandkids, etc. And there will be, uh, how many is it, Pete? Is it 13 of us? <laughs> You're going to do the maths now and let me know. But I think there's 13 of us. So, so we're going on Wednesday. We've got some accommodation down in uh, Nottinghamshire and uh, we... We said, we can't have the accommodation until 4 o'clock. Shall we meet up earlier in the day and do something together? And so we have one of these, anybody on Facebook Messenger? Yeah, so we have one of these Facebook Messenger groups for our family. And so Anne-Marie puts this thought on there. She says, um, what about 
uh, meeting up at, listen to this, the Water Meadows Swimming and Fitness Complex. <laughs> Would you like to see my response? <laughs> Put it on screen, Michael. <laughs> to which Pete responded, next one. <laughs> For me, it's quite scary. I mean, I know I look, yeah, never mind, let's not go there. The children of Israel stood on the banks of the River Jordan, and this was unknown territory that they were about to step into. They'd had some spies out, yeah, but for most of them this was unknown. There was a big challenge between where they were and where God was leading them. The Jordan River was in flood. I believe that increasingly there will be challenges for us, A, as individuals, B, as church. There will be things that stand in the way of what God has called us to, as individuals and church. What's that flood, flooded river speak of? It speaks to me of intimidation. What are you going to do about that, children of Israel? In your circumstance, what are you going to do about that? A river in flood speaks of intimidation. It could suggest it's, you know, it's not the right time of year. It's harvest. And, you know, let's not, let's not try it now. This is a crazy time to do it. It suggests that let's stay with what you know. So how do you deal with the intimidation of a river in flood? To God's people, if you go back to that um, chapter we read, God says... Keep your eyes on the ark, the presence of God. Verse 3 and 4 says, When you see the Levitical priests carrying the ark, move out from your positions and follow them, since you've never traveled this way before. They will guide you. To the priests, he said, Guys, you need to take a step of obedience. Verse 8, When you reach the river bank, take a few steps into the river. And it's in flood at this moment. Keep an eye on the presence of God. Take a step of obedience. We've heard already today that God has got some things planned for us in advance. Heard that earlier in our service. But there will be things that intimidate us to get into those. And we've got to take a stand, and I believe we've got to go and stand in the river of our intimidation and lift up our praise and adoration to God. Keep our focus on Him. Get in His presence. Consecrate yourselves and step into that intimidation. On the other side, yeah, there's going to be challenges. There were fortified cities. There were land to take. It was all going to be new. But God says, this is where I'm taking you. This is where I want you to be. How many would rather be that than stuck in some historical point that is going nowhere? And listen to this. God says, I will do amazing things among you. Do you know there are people waiting on the other side of your intimidation and my intimidation? There are people waiting for us. For the children of Israel, there was a woman in a wall who ultimately was part of the lineage of Jesus. And if they hadn't gone through... Perhaps the musicians would come back.
song we've uh, been singing in recent months, a song called Raise a Hallelujah. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies, my intimidation. I'll raise a hallelujah. I'll raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief, the, the voices that come in our heads and say, no, not now, stick with what you know. I'll raise a hallelujah. I'll watch the darkness flee. I'll raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. We've never been this way before. It's a bit of a mystery. I'll raise a hallelujah. Fear, you lost your hold on me. One of those encounter nights we had, I think it was in July, there's a whole theme about fear and how we deal with it and prayer for breakthrough on fear for individuals and for us as a church. And how do we respond to these things? Well, let's keep our eyes on him. I think, Mike, uh, I was out with the kids. I do my annual visit to kids' church. I was in there two weeks ago. Mike was preaching. I listened to the podcast the other day. And you talked about Moses and the bush. And the challenge that you were giving us was to lean in. Hear, take time, listen to what God is saying. Hear what's on his agenda. And it might seem the craziest stuff. It might seem that we've never done it this way before. But if God's in it, I want to be in it. Keep our eyes on him. So there's a new sound, a new era. We're going to need some new spirit-led thinking. And we're going to need courage. Anybody want to tap into that? Lord, if you've got something on your agenda for our nation and for your church in this nation, we want to be part of it. Why don't you stand and I'm going to pray. Lord, what an absolute incredible privilege to be called the children of God. To, as we were hearing earlier on in our service, to have you as our loving Heavenly Father with things in advance that you've prepared for us to step into. Lord, and across this room, at an individual level, Lord, we don't just want to do because we've, already, we've always done. Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to step in. Lord, I want to see everybody in this room stepping into their destiny with you. Everybody, youngest to the oldest, the kids in our kids' provision in those two buildings at the back there. Every single one of them. Lord, what the enemy has meant for harm and distraction and drawing people away, those fiery darts, Lord, we quench them today in Jesus' name. And the lies of the devil we quench in Jesus' name. And we speak life and light and that sense of well-being because, Lord, in the midst of the uncertainty, you are there. God, and we claim that today. We thank you. We speak it out that you are with us. Lord, we want to honor you in all that we are and all that you've called us to do. Lord, we pray. I, I just want, just for a moment, pray for the person on the left or the right of you. Just pray God's blessing on them right where they are. Say, Lord, what you've called them to do, may every activity of the devil that seeks to pull them away from that be thwarted today in Jesus' name. And Lord, may fresh hope arise, fresh sense of purpose Lord, with some uncertainties, yes, the mysteries of things that you're going to take us into. But Lord, our confidence is in you, that you are the God who was and is 
and is to come. And nothing changes from that. And Lord, we honour you, we lift up your name, and we lift up your praise in this place as children of the living God, amazed by your grace and mercy over our lives. Would you receive the highest of honour in this place as we seek not only to speak of our love for you, but act out our love for you in our steps of obedience as we listen to your voice. God, may we be conscious that you are making a way. We're like those children of Israel. There seemed no other way, but you did it. You stood the waters up. You drew them across on dry ground and nothing was going to stop them for the purposes that you'd call them. And we honour you because you are the God who does it again and does it again and does it again. Amen.